professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Sandman's Ashtray. And I am Arn Andershain. Welcome to episode 116, When Worlds Collide. ECW and what other world? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go. I think Shane may have uh, buried the lead with his nickname. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> We can always redo it. No, I don't think it's necessary. Not necessary at all. Not necessary at all. Exactly. This was the first Win Worlds Collide produced by ECW. It would take place on May 14th, 1994 from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with an attendance of 1,558 people. Is that a sold-out house? It was at least the largest attended ECW event at that time. Yeah, I'm sure that they really cared about um, like fire code. I'm sure they really packed them in there oh, yeah. whenever they whenever they could. Yeah. It's part of that Eastern Extreme, right? Yeah, Polly can't leave any money at the door. But we're back in Philly, and that's Shane. Oh, Philly. Shane loves going to Philly. Motown Philly back again. <laughs> yes, we are back in Philly. And Philly is becoming a challenging little bitch uh, <laughs> because we're there so often for ECW, and I'm pretty sure that we're going to be there always for ECW, right? Do they ever get I mean, to go they, somewhere they else? They start traveling. Okay, at some point I couldn't remember if they actually, but it's really made a tour right there in the Northeast. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're going, we're in New Jersey for this pay per view. Uh-huh. We're going to Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we've uh, been back and forth to Philly more than a few times. And come up with some good stuff along the way, some okay stuff along the way, some what the fuck was he thinking stuff along the way. But and always plentiful stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. always plenty full. 95% of the time it's good. Normally it's just a lot of cheese. Yes, <laughs> a lot of cheese, a lot of meat, bread. So I decided to go a little simplistic. Uh, I did my research on foods that were founded in the Philly area and discovered that one of my favorite things from childhood, the uh, purple box with the pink and white candy inside, known as Good and Plenty, was actually started in Philadelphia. Such a good box. Such a good, simple logo. Oh, yeah. Classic. You you see it. You hear the shake of it. You know what the hell it is. Uh, if you are unfamiliar to Good and Plenty, it is a uh, little cylinder-shaped sweet black licorice that is dipped in a uh, candy coating, either white or pink. It resembles a, a they little... They look like pills. Yeah, it looks like a little <laughs> capsule. So that, you know, back in the 50s when, you know, moms were popping their pills, they could give their kids a box of candy to let them, you know, <laughs> Let them mimic. play along. <laughs> you know? They had candy cigarettes back in the day. Why not have fake pills to give your kids? Mm-hmm. They yeah. take plenty of <laughs> I was a, a big fan of Good and Plenty. My mom was a, a black licorice fanatic, so I learned to love these a long time ago. And yeah, every every once in a while, I'll see them and just have to have them because they go great with the movie. There is actually a... Where did you even find these? 
Good playing Walmart. Really? Yeah. I just never, you never, I never. You don't realize them. they're there until you're actually looking for them. <laughs> yeah. Or they jump out at you. It's like, oh yeah, they still make these. They are not a uh, top ten selling candy. Maybe not now. But <laughs> no, they, definitely uh, not now. Are technically the oldest commercially branded candy in America. Uh, started back in 1893. Wow. Um, were they made by the Amish? I don't wow. know. Uh, originally, they were produced by Quaker City Confectionery Company before being sold to a couple different ones. Right now, they are made by Hershey. Yeah, there is an actual National Good and Plenty Day, uh, October 24th, the day of Good and Plenty. So I always make sure that if I haven't had any at that time, <laughs> October 24th, uh, I generally get myself a box to shake and eat. You truly are a um, good and plenty fanatic. Exactly. There's Very a lot funny. of old candies that suck that haven't aged well over time. Good and plenty is not one of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, if you like black licorice, like, if you don't like black licorice, I would not suggest no. it. But I do like black licorice. What about a, Nico, a Neko wafer? Those are pretty terrible, but I like them. I don't know why, because <laughs> they're really bad. But they're bad in that good way. Uh huh. Or uh, if you had ice cubes, chocolate ice cubes. I have not. It looks like a little. It's a little piece of chocolate in a piece in a foil, and it's like the shape of a ice cube. But it, like, it's probably. Is it hollow? No, it's just a solid piece of chocolate. But it like melts if in your mm. mouth. It's weird. I don't know what it's made out of. It's probably not even chocolate, but mm. they're pretty good. You can find them in like the weird like candy stores and malls and stuff. Interesting. And I've only ever had them because. My grandma was like, here, try this. But, yeah, old candy's fun. Good and plenty's. Good stuff. Well, yeah. We're snacking on our good and plenty's. Something that happened right around the same time as this show. The Crow would be released to theaters the day before. Oh, wow. Insert Cure song. Right? Uh, Is there a Nine Inch Nails song? I didn't ever have the soundtrack or anything. I know it was probably, like, one of the best-selling soundtracks of, of the 90s. I can't remember who all was on that one. I remember when the movie came out, and then when the movie came on video, I was working at Blockbuster shortly after that, so we had plenty of copies, but The Crow. Yeah. Does anybody have, like, strong opinions about The Crow? Some people live and die by this movie and love it, and, and I just think that I didn't see it when I was, like, a kid, and by the time I watched it, I was an adult, and I was just like, well, this is fine, but I've seen a lot of better revenge movies than this one. I mean, I thought it was good. I thought it had a, a unique take on it. It's been forever since I've watched it. I think the uh, the franchise itself was robbed, obviously, by the death of Brandon Lee, because it could I mean, have become was a, so was much more. probably a bigger story than the actual movie itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've I read I read the comic book, and it was cool and weird, but there was the comic book was like one of the early like kind of black and white independence that sold really well and then made a movie out of it. Yeah, I remember when it happened, the the story of him being killed on set by the stunt gone wrong. Well, not really even a stunt gone wrong, the prop gone wrong. It had a, a bullet lodged in it, stuck oh, yeah. inside, and then the force of the blank that was put into it pushed it out and... Yeah, we've got we got the the cure, machines of loving grace, stone temple pilots, nine snails, raging against the machine, the violent film, fems, Rollins band, helmet, Pantera. Uh, Forever there was a soundtrack to find the age of the time. Yeah, that would be it. My life with the thrill kill cult, cult, Jesus and Mary Chain, medicine, and Pantera's covering a Poison Idea song. That's crazy. I have not heard that. Uh, there's a bunch of 
they're all basically covers, it seems like. Yeah, or a lot of them are. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails was a... Joy Division cover? Huh. I, don't, I might have to listen to this. I mean, they originally... Out of curiosity. I mean, I like a lot of these Joy bands. Joy Division to, to do a new order. To do... To do Love Will Tear Us Apart as the main theme. And they're like, oh, no, Ian Curtis is dead. We don't do that anymore. Like, when they did, like, that is one thing you can say about New Order is, like, once Ian Curtis was dead, they did not play Joy Division songs. They're like, oh, no, we're a new band now. And to be honest, as much as I love Joy Division, and I wish that uh, Ian Curtis didn't die so young, where would the world be without New Order? (laughs) It's such an important band. Very true. (laughs) But obviously the, for us wrestling fans, the biggest thing that possibly came out of The Crow was that it inspired Sting to get paid to do nothing for so long Mm -hmm. and make me sad. In hindsight, of course. At the time, I thought he looked awesome uh, and was a fan, but going back and watching this stuff, I'm like, but I like Sting with the blonde hair and the makeup when he wrestles. Yep. But good for him. Get get paid. Honest leather-clad biker daddy Sting from that one. Oh, yeah. So, that was that great. Halloween Havoc or yeah. Clash of Champions uh, or something like that. Well, there was the one, it was a Clash of Champions where it was like the Legends Night or whatever, and yes. he came in on the motorcycle, and Missy was all hot and bothered by him. Mm-hmm. For good reason. I mean, you guys were hot and bothered as well. He was, he was, he was looking <laughs> good. Well, let's talk some When Worlds Collide. The logo comes onto the screen, followed by a highlight package and the title screen. We got a new logo. It's red and ugly. <laughs> you don't like it? Oh, I mean, it's better than the other one, but it's not like the ECW logo yet. No, not quite. No. Almost. So but the, testing some yeah. things out. But the package, I noticed, like, RVD's in the package. Was it? Yeah, and so, so, so was so Mikey Whipwreck and, like, Jimmy Snuka, Sabu, LOD, or at least one of them. Yeah. So I thought but, I saw somebody that was throwing a... Uh, a kick that looked like Van Damme in the opener, but I wasn't for sure if that was him or not because I hadn't seen him yet. I mean, I could be mistaken, but I thought it was RVD. He's he's got a pretty unmistakable face, so that's true. <laughs> but I was like, oh, was definitely I new, got excited. Newer highlights than we had seen in yeah. other shows. Yeah. So it was a different, little bit of a different package. But we go right to our first match: the Rockin' Rebel with Jason, the sexiest man on earth, versus Tommy Dreamer. And Joey Styles is our commentator. Now Jason has a bandage on his face, and Joey tells us that Taz had taken a bite out of it. Oh my gosh, the Tasmaniac. Maybe we need a he needs a Wrangler like Sabu. Goddamn savage. Biting people. He's a maniac. <laughs> so Rebel and Dreamer started off by jawing at each other. When Rebel extends a hand only to move it when the Dreamer extends his. So Tommy just slaps Rock and Rebel's face, and they begin to brawl. Rebel ducks a clothesline, and Dreamer blocks a roundhouse right, but follows it up with a cannonball kick. Rock and Rebel comes back with chops that just pisses Tommy off, and the two trade chops before Dreamer delivers a shoulder block, snap suplex, and an elbow drop for a two count. Oh, Tommy in his little stripper gear. <laughs> You know, he'll get more more uh, relaxed gear soon enough, oh, yeah. I'm sure. The old, the old t-shirt and jeans kind of thing. Was it t-shirt like, and jeans, or did he wear like a... Uh, he wore like the trunks, black pants like, and uh, the suspenders. Mm. It's I, I just can't see him as anything but like Buff Bagwell, or sorry, Marcus Bagwell's cousin or brother. Or oh, something. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like his less handsome brother. Yes. <laughs> Tommy applies a dragon sleeper. Body slam and a knee drop. 
and I noticed this red hair at this point. Yeah. It was like a... He's got like a... Shaved part right here, and but then the hair just like slicks over on... Like, He's got a. It looks like he owns the cure or the the crow soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The ref has a has a very like I work at a hot topic in '94 um, haircut. Rebel charges into a corner after an Irish whip, only for Dreamer to move and deliver an arm drag into an armbar. Rock and Rebel fights out and goes for a body slam, only for Tommy to float over and roll up Rebel for a two count. Close line by Rock and Rebel. Jason then jumps on the apron, hitting Dreamer with a right hand. Tommy then starts chasing Jason around ringside, allowing Rebel to clothesline Dreamer once again out on the floor. Rookie mistake, Tommy. I know. Back in the ring, Rockin' Rebel stays on the attack with a hard Irish whip, mocks Tommy so he only gets a one count. Rebel then goes for a back suplex, but Dreamer shifts his weight to land on top of Rockin' Rebel for a two count. Follows that up with a DDT and heads up top, coming off with a splash, only for Rebel to move. Rockin' Rebel with a leg drop to the lower abdomen, swinging neckbreaker, running leg drop for a two count, continues the attack with a spine buster, but hurts his knee in the process. It's a rough looking spine buster. It is not nice. No. <laughs> Arn, yeah, Arn, Arn should uh, give him a receipt just for doing it. So Rebel is slow to cover and only gets a two count. Jason gets back on the apron to distract the ref momentarily, allowing Tommy to hit a Fez press for the pin and, and the win. win. Uh, you know what the most surprising thing about this match was? Mm-hmm. That it ended in a Fez press. <laughs> Just not <laughs> like it, right? <laughs> I didn't expect an ECW match with Tommy Dreamer to end with a Fez press. Not cool, yet. though. I mean, you know, I like to be surprised. Tommy Rich, Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, there you go. Oh, nice. It's all it's a Tommy thing. And a Lou thing, I guess. But how many Lou's is there? We got Fez, Albano. Albano's not doing much anything, really. Sitting around, no. sitting around at WrestleMania with the uh, <laughs> earring, then. Yeah, yeah, face earrings. Yeah, counting his rubber bands. Post-match, Rockin' Rebel looks upset with Jason and shoves him. But the sexiest man on earth hands him something from his pocket. And the two men just hug before leaving the ring. Drugs. <laughs> I mean, it might as well be. Might as well be. <laughs> and we're off to our second match. Mikey Whipwreck versus 911 with Paulie Dangerously. Oh, I forgot to wear my Mikey Whipwreck t-shirt. I thought about it whenever I, did, I watched this because I looked for that shirt for years. And I, I own it now. The dragon shirt that he wears here that is so iconic with Mikey Whipwreck. And this match would be for the ECW Television Championship. So the last time we actually saw this championship was at Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular, back in episode 93, when Jimmy Snuka defended it. But since then, the title has been with Terry Funk, Sabu, Taz, J.T. Smith, and Pitbull, with Mikey Whipwreck beating Pitbull the night before. And, like, the gimmick here is that Mikey Whipwreck just kind of gets lucky because he's just a little pipsqueak, right? Well, he literally was, when he was hired, he was just on the ring crew and started learning how to wrestle. Yeah. And became a favorite of Paul Lee's. Yeah, and just kind of a fan favorite. He's, like, the ultimate 
underdog, underdog for ECW. People, people, well, he's already over, uh-huh. and this is our first Daniel thing. It's Bryan very cute. of his time, huh? <laughs> except for you know, he didn't have he didn't have Brian Danielson um, <laughs> uh, like work or ta- talent, but yeah. so, sometimes. Uh, you're more charming without it. So is this our first time seeing Mikey then? It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember. as I didn't think I had seen him before, and I just kept staring at him going, oh my god, he just looks so small and young. He will, yes. like, the belt looks like it's just going to like fall off well, of him. It literally looks never. like it's... It, the belt, he has it around his waist, and it just keeps like falling yep. down. Yeah, it's a good... It, it's uh, it's real Mikey fun. Mikey is like... 120 sopping wet, maybe? <laughs> and uh, Joey Styles is like... Just you know, putting over how he's about to get murdered. He's like, I know what's going through his mind. Uh, I know what's going through his head. Soon, the rest of his body. And it's like, well, it's a little clunky, but I see what you're doing here. He's about to get murdered by nine one one. We get it. But the champion came out first. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. So the bell rings, and nine one one grabs Mikey by the throat and choke slams him. Calls for another, so he picks Whiprack up again. For another choke slam. The Mikey, ref, Mikey, we're getting Mikey chance already. The ref and Joey are both wondering why nine one one just isn't going for a cover after these choke slams. He wants to make sure Mikey Whipwreck doesn't mess around on a wrestling ring anymore. Teach this punk a lesson. Mm-hmm. So nine one one picks up Mikey again, with the ref yelling him to just make the pin. So he grabs the ref as well, <laughs> choke slamming them both. That's never a good thing unless you're a ten-time champion. The ref then rolls over and calls for the bell, and we have the disqualification. Post match, nine one one and Paul E are celebrating with the belt, but Mikey Whipwreck is still your champion. Yeah, yeah, D- DQ. Um, the but how did? I wanted. I would love to see how he won the title off of Pitbull. Pitbull yeah, because he had to pin him. Obviously, like he didn't even get a pin. It's just a DQ finish. But just out of curiosity, if they did some, what, the, the, what cute thing they did? The Taz attacking Jason mm. and biting the face ah. that happened the night before. Oh, okay. Right, gotcha. That makes sense. When they announce that Mikey's still a champion. Yeah. Nine one one is pissed off. <laughs> I mean, he should know better. So he grabs the ref and choke slams him again. All undercut, just taking a beating. The crowd is yelling one more <laughs> time. <laughs> so the ref is destroyed once more. But think of the money he's going to make from this match to get a better haircut. <laughs> he, uh, I wonder if he got like an extra five dollars for each choke slam. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe just an extra ten for all three. I don't know of if that them. was a deal. We'll pay you fifteen bucks a chair shot. Yeah. Well, I know that like fifty times, motherfucker. We're not there yet, but uh, New Jack jumped off something really big once, so it became a thing where like they expected him to do it, and Paul E would pay him extra money to jump off of something big every night. And he was like, "Well, shit, I guess I had to." He didn't. He didn't want to keep doing it, but he needed the money, and he's uh, New Jack. He's very insane and scary man. So we're headed to our third match. Superfly Jimmy Snuka with Hunter Q. Robbins III versus Kevin Sullivan with Woman. Oh, Woman, oh, Woman. So Snuka attacks as Kevin gets in the ring before heading out to the floor, slamming Sullivan's head on the timekeeper's table. 
Yeah, they don't uh, they don't waste any time on this one. These two old dudes just kind of jump right at it. But Kevin responds by throwing a chair at Superfly multiple times. A fan then hands Kevin a skillet who uses it across the head of Snooker. <laughs> Love fan trash. Pro fan trash. Before ramming his head into the apron several times. Did they do like the let's make a deal thing back then where you bring the weapon, we'll <laughs> choose you out of the audience to supply it? Yeah. Who's got the trash can lid? Yeah. Just wait till somebody brings a cheese grater. <laughs> More thrown chairs and a ring hammer to the nuts by Sullivan before heading back into the ring where Kevin has a spike and is using it across the face of Superfly. Snook is tossed back out to the floor where Sullivan gets a crutch from a fan. This is brutal. Like, what, what are they so mad about? And he starts using it across the back of Superfly, followed by choking him with a ring rope and a wrench across the back several times. Back in the ring, Snooka headbutts Kevin, starts chopping away, only to run into a big boot in the corner. You know, this uh, hat guy is just really giving it to Hunter Q. Robbins this whole time. Just, yeah, yelling right in his ear. Hopefully it was nice things. Sandman then comes out and grabs Woman. What the damn hell? Dragging her back to the locker room, which distracts Sullivan. But he does go back to work on Superfly. Coming off the ropes, only for Robbins to trip him up from the outside. And holding his feet down while Snooka makes the cover. For the pin. And, and the, the win. win. So post-match... Kevin Sull Sullivan just cannot keep a girlfriend. Or even the same one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a real tumultuous relationship. Sullivan goes after Hunter, bringing him into the ring, and starts beating him with his own cane, even pulling his pants off to continue the testicle smashing. Yeah, the this was a little long-winded when he was taking his pants off. I was like, we really need to do this. <laughs> like, what's going on? It got a little weird. A little much. Yeah. It's like what you would expect a Randy Savage to have done if somebody had... Yeah, looked at Elizabeth for oh yeah, three point five seconds. You can look, but you'll never be able to touch again. Smash testicles just to show you. Kevin then starts chasing photographers around ringside before leaving to the back, and this would be the last time we see Sullivan in an ECW match. Ah, shucks. Well, you know, we all have a pretty good idea where he's going. Yeah, crazy. So we go to our fourth match, the Sandman and Woman versus Iron Man Tommy Cairo and Miss Peaches in a Singapore cane match. Oh, and what could the story of this one be? So this is actually the first appearance of a Singapore cane as it was drawing upon the controversy from the caning of an American citizen just a week before the show. Yeah, wasn't it like some kid that got caught with drugs in Singapore, and then they were like, he, they just like his punishment was basically just getting like caned outside of the courthouse. Yeah, I can't remember the specifics of it, but yeah, yeah drugs or did something stupid. I even remember it from that being did, spit in public didn't or something like that. A caning. Yeah, <laughs> he spit in public or <laughs> yeah, it was something something that. Yeah, didn't seem like the punishment didn't fit it fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sandman is chain smoking it up on his way to the ring. It's it's so cool. Sandman is fully out of uh, surfer, his gear. surfer gear. Yeah, yes. he's looking like 
your stepdad. Yes, that you know is on his fifth beer, six pack of cigarettes of the day, and pissed off about the fence being left open. <laughs> you let my dog out. <laughs> so Joey tells us that this match was set up when Peaches was lashed by woman while being held by Sandman, which brought Cairo out to her rescue. What? Every girl loves their lashes, I thought. Wait, sorry, lashes, not lashings. <laughs> yes, yeah. The announcer tells us the loser of the match will receive six lashes from the Singapore cane. And Sandman tries to grab the cane away from the ref before the match even begins. Sandman's a known for the Singapore cane. Mm-hmm. So. Is this where he uh, cements his legacy? Or at least begins it. Yeah, and I feel like he's not coming out to Metallica yet. Probably. It's something else. It's, I think I feel like there's like I don't think that song I feel is like the, as popular. It was just being released at this time. Yeah, I think half of those like entrance songs on this show are like just half of the track listing from like Thunder Kiss '65, like the White Zombie record. I swear, every other entrance song is a White Zombie song. So they're gonna whack the peach fuzz off. And they say, Joey says that because why? Why wouldn't he? So Cairo hits an overhead belly-to-belly suplex to start, followed by Sandman being ping-pong slapped between Tommy and Peaches. Oh no, Sandman comes out to Big Shot by Billy Joel, which is very funny. <laughs> I was, I was like, I, because of the, this wow. is this is not on the network, so like we get the theme songs. They didn't like yeah. cut them out or whatever. Yeah, so, but it's, the audio is not great. So I like some of them. I was like, <laughs> I want to figure this out. I want to figure this out. I didn't even listen to that. Wow, really? Big yeah. shot? I mean, it's a cool song, it but is, a but weird rest song. It's not what I thought would have yeah. been for Sandman. It's not very heavy. I mean, he definitely, he just started uh, just started smoking, so he's getting into the, the heavy metal is on the way. Another belly-to-belly suplex and a back body drop that sends Sandman rolling to the floor to regroup. Cairo follows out with a double axe handle off the apron and a snap suplex onto the floor. Back in the ring, Tommy comes off the top rope with a double axe handle, a double underhook suplex, but a low blow from Sandman allows him to take over, hitting European uppercuts, a vertical suplex, and a top rope elbow drop, followed by a pile driver. Tommy Cairo is built like a pro lifter, and Sandman is built like a bag of beer cans. <laughs> so I don't remember Tommy being that big. Me neither. I said the same thing. I was like, well, we've seen some Tommy Cairo before, but this looks like a whole different person. Maybe I just didn't remember him. Yeah, he's, he's but, got some extra water weight or something on him because, yeah. like, when he tenses up... Mm, he got... Yeah. Yeah. When he tenses up, you can see the abs, and then he'll, you know, go to take a breath, and it's just like, Broop, there's the belly. And I don't remember him having that big... Yeah, maybe he belly. got... Uh, maybe he got... Getting paid a little bit more. He's got maybe juice, juice Peaches, cash. Maybe this is what Peaches does. She she finds a guy that you know oh, is. Are you calling her a drug dealer? <laughs> not a, not a drug dealer. Maybe she's she's she a, ins- a bringer inspires downer. them inspires them to you know, hit. Sandman was this pretty boy beach, was he? beach guy. Pretty, uh, prettier than what he became. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was this young young inspired wrestler that came down in his surfer gear, and now he's. Wrestling in sleep pants and ripped t-shirts and smoking cigarettes and grabbing women out of the ring. Yeah. <clears throat> and look at Tommy Cairo before he was this. So you're you're blaming fit, Peaches, huh? Right? You're blaming the woman. <laughs> it's, I it's, mean, ECW is going to do that for the next uh, the next like six years <laughs> <laughs> from probably half of their feuds and. 
Sandman tosses Cairo to the ropes, but telegraphs a back body drop. So Tommy kicks him and clotheslines him before hitting a power slam. Iron Man hits a DDT and covers, only for Woman to run in to break it up. This also brings in Peaches, and we got us a cat fight. Fuck yeah, we do. And while this happens, Cairo does something to Sandman. It's in the background. Yeah. Can't really see what's going on. Knocking him down before pulling the two women apart. Which allows Peaches to run over and make the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. And what time is it? Singapore time, time. So Peaches pulls Sandman's pants down <laughs> before beginning ever. to cane him across his ass. Once. Twice. Three times. Supposed to be six. That's a, that was, the, that was the deal. She's a lady, so. Mm, yeah. Woman runs in and throws salt in Peach's eyes. Swings that cane like a Is girl. Mr. Fuji here? Tommy then starts stalking after Woman, but Sandman with another low blow to save her, and he begins to cane Cairo, even across the forehead to cut him open. <sighs> Sandman continues to whack away when he catches Peaches on a backswing. Woman then asks for the cane, while Sandman picks up Peaches. Where woman no. just goes to work on. The backswing is done pretty great. Like, catching her on accident. Yeah. Sandman then canes Cairo a few more times before they leave the ring. Before Tommy carries Peaches to the back. Well, you know what the worst part of this whole thing is? Is there's that spot where Peaches is crying on the mat. And Sandman goes over and ashes his cigarette on her, which is like <laughs> serious. I know it's just wrestling, but it's seriously Beautiful. disturbing. It's just like, ugh, I feel dirty watching this. That's so not cool and so funny. That was perfect to the character, though. Yeah. I'll give him that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sandman has arrived. I don't think it gets a lot grimier than ashing on your wife or ex-girlfriend <laughs> while she's crying. Is it extreme yet? It's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> little by little, bit by bit. So we got our fifth match. Pitbull with Jason versus the Tasmaniac in a grudge match. Oh, they must not like each other. You mean Tasmaniac cost Pitbull the TV title the night before? Yeah, yeah. his manager's face off. With a name like Pitbull and Tasmaniac. This is heel versus heel. Before either wrestler comes out, the ring announcer announces the referee. Which happens to be the guy with the bad haircut. He's the ref, like, for 90% of this show. Maybe all of it. I don't remember. At least the first half. Yeah. He didn't even have to go to a local medical facility after his choke slam. I know. That's kind of messed up. You would think that they'd have to give him a break after the choke slam. You think so. Kayfabe, guys. Kayfabe. But then 911 all of a sudden jumps in the ring and choke slams him (laughs) twice more, knocking him out, and the crowd is chanting for 911. Nine one one. Yeah, they just love the ref violence. So we get a new ref before the competitors make their way to the ring, and Taz comes running into the ring, only to be attacked immediately by Pitbull. Headbutt by the Tasmaniac sends Pitbull to the floor, and he falls out to running into the guardrail and into the crowd. Throws some chairs at him before bringing back to ringside. A head slam into the ringside table. Another chair shot, but tries for one more. But Pitbull blocks and takes control with several cheer shots of his own. And Pitbull actually did come out to Thunderkiss 65. Nice. <laughs> Back in the ring, Pitbull hits a belly-to-belly for a two-count before going to a chin lock, which Taz escapes with a judo throw. 
but a rake to the eyes and a low blow keep Pitbull in control. Yeah, but the the fans they're chanting Mikey just to just to get on Pitbull's uh, nerves. Close line from Pitbull for a two count, and he locks on a trap hole. Fuck yeah, <laughs> where you can't can't get away from the trap hole even in ECW. Is there anything I love more than a trap hole? It's not much. It's maybe a test, a test of, strength. of strength. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe a. Yeah, we'll go with test of strength. Mm-hmm. That's the only. Reverse chin locks are important. Taz escapes momentarily, but Pitbull stays on the attack with a back fist, a body slam, and a knee drop before choking him on the bottom rope. Jason gets involved with some choking as well, while the ref is admonishing Pitbull, followed by a leg lock with leverage. Pitbull with a leg drop and goes back to the chin lock, which the Tasmaniac escapes with a back suplex. Taz with a clothesline and heads up top, only for Pitbull to catch him with a kick, descending out to the floor. Dang. Back in the ring, Pitbull delivers an arm wrench heel kick, goes for a short arm clothesline, which is ducked and reversed into a T-bone suplex. It's pretty cool. Tasmaniac then slams Pitbull into the corner multiple times, followed by an overhead belly-to-belly. Jason then jumps on the apron, only to receive a German suplex from Taz into the ring. The ref goes to check on Jason, which allows Pitbull to wrap his fist with a chain, clocking the Tasmaniac to knock him out. Pitbull then makes the cover, for the pin, and, and the win. win. Oh, Taz. I know. I was like, I figured, I guess Taz has, has yet to arrive. I mean, Joey Styles says that Taz can't even speak English yet, so we've got a ways to go. I'd love to see him do a promo where he just stands there and just... <laughs> <laughs> like like some, an old, like an old wild Samoans thing. They just have, like, <laughs> subtitles like underneath Taz, it that yeah. say... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Duh. Like, actual Taz. Yeah. Speaking Tasmanian or mm-hmm. something like that underneath it in subtitle or subtitles. While wearing oh like one of those Looney Tunes venom jackets <laughs> from the nineties. So we go to our sixth match, the franchise, Shane Douglas, Mr. Hughes, and the public enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge versus JT Smith and the Bruise Brothers of Don and Ron Bruise in an eight man elimination tag match. Hmm. Eight man, you say? So your first thought is... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's because Road Warrior Hawk was supposed to be in this match, Uh-oh. but he had a knee injury Uh-oh. and was unable to compete. A knee injury? Quote, are, we sure, are we sure it was a knee injury? I, that's what I found. Okay. <laughs> I just figured that they, maybe they said it. I don't know. He was drunk and he fell mm-hmm. backstage and hurt his knee. It's his uh, pre, pre-power team, Hawk. So. <laughs> well, that's when he got sober and started doing the power team. Found God. So Shane grabs the mic and mentions Arn Anderson sitting in the back. Mm-hmm. Hey, and he basically challenges Ric Flair to a match that wouldn't happen for another six years. Yeah, he's just he's just trying to get everybody excited. He's the champion. Hooping Ric Flair's the champion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, being uh, in a in a bingo hall with fifteen hundred people. Calling out Ric Flair, it's only gonna, only gonna help business. Oh, yeah, you stand up there in front of those people, you can't feel anything but that big dick energy. So let's call out the biggest let's dick call of them out all. Rick. Big dick Rick, <laughs> Space Mountain himself. So everyone just starts brawling in the aisle when Douglas and JT end up in the ring 
with Smith laying in left hands, forcing Shane out to regroup. I love JT. Just saying. Hughes gets in the ring, but JT keeps it up with left hands until Shane rolls back in to hold Smith, allowing Mr. Hughes to deliver some right hands of his own. I do not like Mr. Hughes. I'll just say that much. (laughs) I still... I don't know that anybody likes Mr. Hughes. One of the Bruce brothers gets in the ring, only to be maligned by Public Enemy, followed by a running knee across the back from Douglas. Joey says it's Ron Bruce who's being worked over by everybody until he fires up on Rocco, charging into a corner only for Rock to avoid. Hughes with a drop kick. Shane starts working the knee of Ron with a spinning toe hold, only for Don to run in and break it up. Old Don and Ron. That's right. Grunge keeps up the work on the leg, only for Ron to reverse it into a pen attempt for two. Mr. Hughes is then stopping away on the knee, and Douglas applies a single leg crab using Rocco for leverage before tagging in Rock, who takes over the crab as well. Rocco gets some, some strong screen time in this match. Everybody keeps tagging in to continue the work on the knee until Shane hits a drop kick and a running head scissors. He goes for a second one, but Donna's there to nail Douglas to the mat, allowing Ron to make the hot tag. Damn, that's a lot of hair in a tag. Don in with right hands to Shane and Johnny, clothesline and multiple elbow drops to Douglas, followed by a big boot before throwing him to his corner to tag in Rocco, who after receiving a few shots, tags in Grunge. JT comes in with left hands on Johnny, but Rock runs in with a tackle to his bad leg and they start working his leg. Hughes comes off the second rope with an elbow drop across the leg, stomping away on it. Rocco's back in to continue the attack with a leaping headbutt and starts doing the cabbage patch. <laughs> you know. why not? I mean, that's his move. Yeah. yeah. True. I guess that is. I forget. I mean, cabbage patch, pretty big uh, here in the early 90s. I, oh, yeah. Uh, remember the doing the cabbage, cabbage patch, patch uh, the Bobby Brown. Well, the, uh, yeah, I'm up. I don't know. The which Roger one's the Bobby? Rabbit. Which one's the Bobby Brown? Oh, I don't even remember. Okay, I just remember the cabbage patch because I think everybody did it. It was just like a thing that little kids did on the recess. I just remember all those dances had such. I mean, they were fun names at the time, and I think back and like, why the hell did we do something called the Bobby Brown or the cabbage <laughs> patch or the Roger Rabbit or? Uh, people are going to be saying that same thing I mean, Bobby Brown was, in 20 years from now. Was pretty of, cool. Know, what the fuck were we doing trying to Dougie? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Teach me how to Dougie. 20 years later? I'm, I'm comparing it to the timeline between oh, okay. now and <laughs> 1994. Rocker Rock with a body slam. Grunge comes off the top with a splash across the legs, which brings in the Bruise Brothers. And we get a Pier 6 brawl for a moment. Ooh, our first Pier 6. Once it's clear, <laughs> Pretty impressive considering we're, yeah, this is ECW yeah. six it's matches. Six. Yeah. Once it's clear, Rocco's still working the leg of Smith. Hughes comes in with a scoop slam and heads up top, but JT rolls out of the way of the splash attempt, allowing him to roll to the corner for the hot tag. tag. Good for you, JT. You took a little bit of a beating. Damn right. Don with the big boot to the franchise, back body drop on Hughes, tosses Rock out to the floor, and tags in JT before heading out to the Florida brawl. JT has been... I just got the hot tag. Been on the room for like... Legitimately like 20 seconds. It's like no time at all. I was flabbergasted. I was like, JT, I guess maybe the other guy forgot. And JT was like, well, I got tagged in. I guess I 
have to gotta go in now. Who's calling this thing? Shane, Mr. Hughes, and the Bruise Brothers all start brawling out into the crowd, which we can't see because they st- the camera stays focused on the ring. Yeah, but they end up getting counted out to be eliminated from the match, even though none of them were the legal man at the time. I mean, yes, but also J.T. Smith just got a hot tag and got tagged right back in, so we're already we're already making huge mistakes here. But also, I'm not going to complain because this match was already going way too long. Yeah, well, you didn't. You know how we feel about eight man tags most of the time. Are these guys really working the legs of the Bruise Brothers and <laughs> JT Smith? I'm like, this is, on. yeah, there's a, like, Come on. as much as I'm not the biggest Survivor Series fan, I understand it, especially in hindsight, and why, like, Shane loved it as a kid because it was. Lots of jobber matches back in the day. So it's like you got to see all these guys in the ring. These guys are not even low-tier low, low tier Survivor Series matches uh, type names. So Yeah, I'm still trying to figure there's out. Not even, there's not a Don Morocco in the bunch here. <laughs> which are the heels and which are the faces? Oh, any team that Shane Douglas is on is it's the, the heel, heel team. Yeah. Okay. So I was trying to Because JT, JT can't be a heel because well, he's, too, he he's was, too cool and nice. Like, I'm, I'm only used to the Bruise Brothers being like badasses, so I thought maybe they were bad guys. But then like Mr. Hughes has never been a good guy, so... I oh, you, you mean Big Cat? <laughs> Which yes. name is better, Mr. Hughes or Big Cat? I'd, I'd go with Big Cat just because it at least makes him sound different. Yeah. Mr. Hughes just... It, it sounds like the, the guy that next door. It yeah, it sounds like your like limo driver. Bad. Yeah, they're both bad, obviously. But yeah, it sounds, Mr. Hughes just sounds like a limo driver. But he also dresses like a limo driver, so it kind of makes sense. Maybe that's the whole gimmick. Very true. Large limo driver. But after those elimination, that leaves Public Enemy versus JT Smith in the ring, and JT just continues to be worked over <sighs> with multiple wishbones. The brawling has made their way to the production area as Rock makes a cover in the ring for a two count. And the brawling then comes back to ringside as Rocco knocks Smith down, just knocking his leg out from under him. Grunge heads up top to splash across the leg again, rams it across the apron multiple times, before grabbing a chair to slam it against the leg as well. Oh my gosh, leave JT alone. Right? Rock begins to cabbage patch again. And goes for a spinning toe hold, but JT kicks him off into the turnbuckle, only for Rocco to come back to try again, but this time gets the figure four on Smith. What is he doing on doing a figure the, four? But gets the figure four on. Yeah. Smith turns Rock over to reverse the hold, so Rocco releases it. Rock then hits a clothesline and starts gloating again with the cabbage patch, only for JT to roll him up for the pin. Went back to the patch one too many times there. Uh-huh. Rocco. And Rocco Rock is eliminated. Bye. Grunge runs into clothesline Smith and hands him to Rocco to hold. Charges in with a forearm and goes for a second one. But JT ducks, sending Rock to the floor, which distracts Johnny long enough for Smith to cradle him up for the pin and, and the win. win. The right man won. Yep. I was happy for him. And it's like, oh, cool. That's awesome for J.T. Smith. I like J.T. Smith. But then I was like, well, really, what is being a face in ECW? I don't want any of that. They just want violence. The face in ECW means you're just going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. Get yeah, in a roll-up win sometimes. 
So post-match, Public Enemy continues the beatdown, hitting a double vertical suplex on JT. Can't win for can't win for losing. Is that what they say? Something like that. Yeah, that uh, that match went way too long. Yeah, I agree. Like uh, as I was watching it, I was thinking that same thing, and then I look at the the show notes here. I'm like, Jesus, we've got a page and a half of this one match where man, we didn't need this first section here with six it's just bullet points work. would have been great. It's all leg work. It's all yeah. It's leg work and like quick tags. I'm and, like, uh, and technically, they should have just leg worked JT to begin the match. Uh huh. Do the hot tag to one of the Bruise Brothers. Bruise Brothers, Pier Six it. Pier Six it, break it out. Then, then, then you go straight to the the JT, JT versus Public Enemy. Yeah. But instead, he gets the two roll ups. You can still have the two roll ups. That's good. Leg work, yeah. Hot tag to JT. Uh, JT back leg in. Work on JT. <laughs> yeah. Hot tag. Twenty seconds later, it's like they lost the plot for a second like, and they went an extra five minutes. <laughs> it's like okay, like yeah, when in doubt, just do it again. Roll Paul it back. He's like, not oh, even guys, even. you gotta, you gotta go six more minutes. Once you plan, six yeah. more minutes. Not even a trap hold. What the hell? So we go to our seventh match: Sabu and beautiful Bobby Eaton. Oh, interesting. With Paul E. Dangerously in nine one one versus Terry Funk. And Arn Anderson. So funny to have Sabu in the ring with like some legit technicians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was my thought. Yeah, I was like, this is one of these things is not like a. And of course, you know Terry Funk is older here and has retired a million times and isn't the technician he once was, but he's still living living legend. And he gets more into like the brawling and brutal matches in the. 90s and stuff, but he's he's still Terry Funk. Sabu yeah. never reaches. See, I'm used to uh, Bobby in the uh, post Dangerous Alliance world of WCW being a face that never wins. Well, being a face that never wins, but also just having random tag team partners. And Sabu with Bobby Eaton is possibly the most random tag team partner I think I've ever seen him with because I never would have pictured the two of them. They don't even look good together. It's very funny. But Bobby Eaton, also probably the worst gear of his career here. (laughs) It's like bright pink and like bright green, and it is yucky. I mean, if anything, it's very early 90s, so I'll give him that for it, but uh, he, he wanted something different. From uh, what he normally wears in WCW, because those are licensed under WCW. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> These sure. were the uh, the hand-me-down leftovers that he just got to throw this, on. Yeah, this was the, his, uh, his uh, house show gear. So you might be wondering, like, why are these two WCW guys here on this ECW show? Because the world's got to collide sometimes. Yes, WCWTF, man. So WCW actually was going to run Slamboree. In Philadelphia in a couple weeks after this show. Hmm. Drumming up business. Which we'll cover in a couple weeks. And basically they were like, well, to help promote our show, let's have a couple of WCW guys come to the ECW show. ECW ends up sending someone to Slamboree as well. Is that Pitbull? It might be. We'll find out here in a couple weeks. <laughs> Mr. Hughes. Mr. Hughes. Oh, Mr. Hughes done, done been in WCW. <laughs> and I assume that it was probably Eaton and Anderson because they were friends with Paul Eaton mm-hmm. 
as they were both in the Dangerous Alliance. Yeah. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. So. And they're like, oh yeah, sure, we'll go make a few bucks, and obviously, they're not here to blade. No. Just saying. Or at least we hope they're not. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've seen, I've seen Arn bleed before, and he's a beautiful bleeder, but a, be- a beautiful bleeder. I, I what a compliment. I don't want him to come down there and just jump right into the, the craziness. So Sabu and Funk start us off, but Terry takes a powder immediately. So Sabu follows out and slams Funk's head on the apron, rolling him back into the ring, and hits a running shoulder tackle for a two count. I love that Joey Styles. these guys got tired of uh, Disney World, which is funny because they just started shooting in like the... <laughs> Orlando area. Or, yeah, the Orlando... Like, we'll see... Soon that that's where like WCW Saturday Night is shot. Yeah, these two guys WCW wanted to come down here and see what or yeah. they wanted to come down here for a fight or something like that. Yeah, how we worded it. Eaten with right hands on Terry, forcing Funk to the floor, where beautiful Bobby st- stalks after him. But Arn chases him away with chair in hand. Back in the ring, Sabu body slams Terry over the ropes into the ringside table, followed by Eaton jamming a chair into the head of Funk. Once more back in the ring, a chair shot, and Air Sabu is delivered to Terry, who falls face first into the chair as well. It's a shame they never made, you know, because the Air Sabu, he does that, like, that weird kick where he kind of... Like, jump off the chair. Yeah, yeah, but, basically like... Basically a leg lariat. Yeah, but, like, he kind of is in the shape of the Nike logo. Why was there never an Air Sabu t-shirt where he looks like the Nike logo? <laughs> Because um, I guess they'd probably get sued if anybody actually bought them. Yeah, this, well, this was before wrestling was still considered, you know, top-tier, whatever, uh, athletes. You know, pre, pre-attitude era when they all started to be taken a little more seriously. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know if uh, Air Sabu would have take, uh, quite taken off. Um, yeah, we saw how Nike reacted recently to the, whatever that guy was, the satanic... Jeez. Oh, I heard a little bit about that, but I don't remember. Oh, who cares? Yeah. Who cares, Nike? Chill out. Lil Nas, that's his name. Uh, Nas X. No, Lil Nas X. Yes. Yeah. I know the country song. Beautiful Bobby lays it <laughs> in on Funk, sending him into the corner, but tags out to Arn's dismay. Anderson goes downstairs with a knee drop, left hand, scoop slam, and more knee drops on Sabu, before knocking Eaton off the apron and slamming Sabu into the corner. Terry grabs beautiful Bobby off the apron and begins to brawl with him around ringside, while Double A dumps Sabu out to the floor. Eaton is slammed into the ring post before Arn brings him back into the ring, locking on a figure four, which Paul E. ends up breaking up by raking the eyes of Anderson, while Funk is slamming a piece of the broken table across the back of Sabu. <laughs> that table break was really funny, because he's just kind of... Normally people... Break a table with their back. He just like f- fell into it like Chris Farley style. <laughs> Terry brings another piece of the table into the ring and he props it up against the ropes before pile driving beautiful Bobby through it. Double A slingshots Sabu into the ring, slams him, and heads up top, only for Sabu to drop kick him off the, to the floor. So Funk comes in and slams Sabu, going up top for a moonsault. But nobody's home. Oh. Eaton reverses an armed pile driver attempt on the floor with a back body drop, while Sabu comes off the top with a moonsault onto Terry for a near fall. 
Funk hits a power bomb on Sabu for a two, and then stays on the attack with a reverse neckbreaker and a DDT. Funk punches beautiful Bobby off the apron while Anderson chokes Sabu, and then Terry returns to Sabu with a headbutt so hard that Funk stumbles through the ropes to the floor. So Sabu follows out with a somersault plancha. You know, man, the man was born to fly. Also, I mean, give it up to Terry Funk, moonsault. <laughs> Didn't expect that. No. no. Not that, well, not ever really. Yeah, 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 never. Accidental, maybe. Yeah. Funk is being double teamed, so Double A brings a chair in to make the save and ran Sabu into the post. Posted. Back in the ring, Sabu with a spinning heel kick, a body slam, and a moonsault. Eaton comes in with a slam and hits the Alabama jam for the pin, and no, Terry breaks up the pin. Sorry, Bobby. Also, big up to Sabu. He hits, like, two perfect moonsaults. You know, because he's kind of... He's, he's with some real-ass wrestlers he's, right now. He's got... He kind of has the... Uh, too cold Scorpio thing yeah. where it's like mm, sometimes it just don't hit right. Yeah, where he gets you know about an eighth of what he was going for and then lands ass first on somebody's nose. <laughs> oh yeah, or <laughs> lands his face on someone's knee. Funk and Eaton start brawling on the outside while Sabu wears down Art, slamming him before hitting a slingshot senton, followed by an Arabian press for a near fall. Anderson is then tossed to the outside. And Sabu comes off the apron with a double axe handle. Tries for a second one, but double A moves, sending Sabu into the guardrail. Back in the ring, Arn hits a pair of DDTs, while beautiful Bobby and Terry have made their way to the Eagle's Nest. Oh my god! Wow. Funk pile drives Eaton in the nest, <laughs> while Anderson hits a spine yeah. on Sabu. And uh, who shows up? As Terry's making his way back to the ring, Public Enemy runs out and attacks him with two by fours. Terry, we've seen enough of you, Public Enemy, right. for a night. But Arn Anderson makes the save with a steel chair. But when he turns to go back into the ring, Public Enemy then attacks Arn. Oh, no, they didn't. Funk makes it back to the ring, allowing Sabu to apply a spinning toehold. But Terry counters into a small package for a two count. And Joey lets us know that Terry Funk's knee is bleeding. I'm not sure how he knows that. But he keeps talking about it. Sabu grabs a chair and slams it across the leg of Terry. But Anderson has made his way back into the ring to grab Sabu, allowing Funk to grab the chair himself. Terry swings it, but Sabu ducks, hitting double A instead. But Funk is still able to whack Sabu a couple times before locking on the spinning toehold. But Sabu grabs the chair and nails several chair shots to escape it. Oh, yeah. He leans in to make sure. <laughs> he like, it's like, oh, okay, can you reach me? <laughs> Arn makes his way back into the ring and takes the chair away from Sabu. Is that enough? But he starts hitting Terry with it. Mm. I know. Come on, bud. Right in the knees. We know Terry Funk's got bad knees. He walks like a toddler. Sabu rolls Funk over into a single leg crab. For the submission, and, and no win. win. I know, crazy. We go to the back, and Polly dangerously is handing money to Public Enemy before cutting a promo on Terry Funk. Who is this man? Who refuses to die? Who has a death wish? 
Who the funk is this man? <laughs> and then we go to Terry Funk in his locker room. And he says, who are we? We're the Funk Brothers. <laughs> Sorry, I broke. We're the Funk Brothers. Basically setting up the next show as we fade to black. Hmm. Funk Brothers, eh? So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of When Worlds Collide? It was a, a quick and easy watch. Yeah. It definitely went a little quicker than I thought it was going to. Not as mon- or as many of the, I want to fast forward through this match matches that we had in the, uh, the beginning stages of Eastern Championship Wrestling. It was a nice little surprise to see Arn and Bobby out there because mm-hmm. I had no clue until the little graphic showed up on the screen and I saw Bobby's name. Yeah, I was like, I didn't even notice Arn's name. Who's showing up? The uh, thing with, they're like, it's cool they showed up, but considering the other Terry Funk main events we've had in ECW, this one landed a little flat. It was still entertaining, but like we've had some, some fun like, schmas, hour long. They've funk, funk gunk matches. They've had a trend over the last few ECW shows where it was, you know, they were notching themselves up to, you know, another step, another step. This one was kind of a stall in place, but it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. No, it's like it's like well, it's it's prepping for what's coming next. I think. Yeah, it's like well, we're gonna put Arn and Bobby on here. That should be enough for a main event. But I don't know if you can base the title of entire show around that one match though like, yeah around a tag match that's like a, a special singles tag like a special one-time tag match this is a really good house show yeah exactly yeah like i will like, I, was I won't having, watch the show again but if i went to the show i would have had a blast mm-hmm. there was no i was having fun with the show yeah me too like the the first few matches like none of them were great but they were means, quick they're, and they're they're quick, were they're fun. ecw and like the Crowds into it, and Joey is firing on all cylinders here. But the eight-man elimination match it took the wind out of my cells. Mine too. And not even Arn and Beautiful Bobby could save it. Plus, even I mean, though I liked the main event, I did too. But it that eight-man tag just put a dirty mm-hmm. taste in my mouth. When JT tagged back in, my heart sank. When after he got the hot tag and immediately tagged back in, I or got tagged in, I like I was just like, yeah, I turned it, I turned into like Bill Watts, like no, <laughs> like what what is this? Who these yeah? What are these guys doing? This isn't wrestling. Uh, I've never been a fan of Public Enemy, so there was a little too much of them in this show for me, also. But I mean. Rock, Rocco I'm, got all his shit in. I'm not. I'm not putting this show down by any means. No, it was a. It was a, a solid show to watch in comparison with some of the ones that we've seen before. I just think it's setting the stage for what's coming next. It was one of those. Yeah, it, little seeds of of the future. At like what an hour forty five? It's not a slog. It's like yeah. around that, right? It's like under two hours. Yep. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the best moments of the evening? Oh, uh, Mikey Whipwreck chants. They warm my heart. I was, yeah, I, I gotta throw Mikey in there too because I I wasn't expecting to see him and I've never seen a Mikey Whipwreck 
match from did you really see uh, it yeah. hey, but, but they're, they're actually like building somebody in like a as silly as it may be it's a meaningful way like if people are behind it they're behind it if yeah. they're in on the joke that's fine too is but they're they chant him, for him even when pitbull was in the ring and mikey was nowhere to be seen seeing him on there made me get my phone to look him up to make sure i was thinking of the right person because i kept staring at him thinking there's no way in hell this is the same mikey I mean, was the iconic t-shirt. yeah i mean it wasn't the clearest graphic on the tv <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just kept staring at him like, is this seriously the same guy? Because I'm used to seeing him a little thicker, a little less hair, and yeah, he's just this little... Yeah, young, he's probably like 22 or face. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah very young. Super young right also, Terry Funk for... Moonsault. Terry Funk Moonsault, yeah. for sure. And Sabu was clean on this match. Yeah. Like, he did, we, we had some mess-ups the last time we saw him. Yeah. But... He was clean throughout the entire so match. So if, if he follows this uh, too cold format, then the next match we see with Sabu, he'll, he'll have some botches. Yeah. Um, I think seeing Sandman as yes. Sandman was... Sandman ashing good. on peaches I mean, was so brutal that it brought a smile to my face and also Singapore disgusted Kane. me. Yep. Yeah, I'm like... Singapore Kane, that's, I, that's like synonymous with ECW. Exactly. Everybody thinks of that whether they've seen this match or not. They think of... The cigarettes, the, the, the cane, and the cigarettes and the cane, and the Budweiser. How about disappointing? A seven man. Just. I, I mean, wanted a little bit more for the like well, I, a cleaner, I, maybe a cleaner finish for the last match. Yeah, what thanks. I said earlier, I think, is the problem, is that they did the extended knee leg work. Five minutes too five long. Five minutes too long. Yeah. Basically, like, do it to JT. Get it done with. It would have been fine. Go to the brawl. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're that, already that, that match is probably ten times better. I, I, I probably Honestly. Actually, I probably enjoy the match if, if we cut out the first five minutes of that match where they're doing the legwork on the Bruce brother. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, it was just like... Are, this are guy's you, too is, big is, for that. This, yeah, exactly. This guy is too big to be doing legwork on. Yeah, that's like doing legwork to like fucking Hercules. Something tells well, it's me... It's like, what are we doing here? Like Hercules can lose. He loses all the time. But uh, you don't. He doesn't lose by a, a, from a figure four. <laughs> you know what I mean. Something tells me had Hawk actually been in the match, this match would not have gone on as long. So there's no need for it to have gone on this long, being one man down from the start. Yeah, but you know, at least uh, in in my opinion, the right man won. Yeah, I mean the I right guy won. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just of the show. This was the one that I wanted to fast forward through the most because. I mean, it had Mr. Hughes and it had Public Enemy, which are three people that I don't really care to watch anyways. And yeah, it was just too long. Yeah, I mean, everything else is legitimately pretty brief. Mm-hmm. So this is this one being that much longer feels the time. You feel the time considering everything pretty spry. Best performer of the night. I got to give it to... Uh, I don't know his name, but the referee who will never call nine one one again in his life. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the the manager of a hot topic yes. of Philadelphia. Uh, Flash punk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The undercut kid. Arn Anderson gave a spinebuster to Sabu. I mean, yeah, that's awesome for sure. Uh, they they went into the eagle's nest, even though the pile driver looked like shit. They were up the eagle's nest. 
I will say that there's a when Terry Funk goes, I think he goes through the table early, and then you see him underneath the ring, like halfway, and I'm like, oh, well, he's obviously blading. And then he didn't blade for some reason, or maybe he just didn't get it. Maybe it's a time thing. And then he ended up blading in the eagle's nest (laughs) when he came down, and I was like, yeah. And they didn't even really talk about that. It's just like, oh, well, I mean, Terry Funk, if Terry Funk's in a match, you gotta bleed. And Terry Funk, his forehead doesn't quite look like uh, Dusty or Abdullah's. He's a little bit classier with, uh, he's he's a a surgeon when it comes to the razor blade compared to some of his contemporaries. Yes. And I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but most surprising thing? I mean, for me, it was that Arn Anderson was on the show because I had no clue he was on there. I mean, that's yeah. that's definitely the most Arn and Bobby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm always happy to see those guys. So that was cool. Terry Bobby, Funk Moonsault. Still, still, I can't can't get over Terry Funk Moonsault. The Bobby was was spoiled for me before the match because I actually saw the little graphic on the screen, but I didn't see Arn's name on there in time. So him oh, walking yeah. out with Funk was a nice a nice little surprise. A much-needed treat. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Ooh. What we got this week, Matthew? This week, the category is music of the map. It's my music. Break it down. These ones always make me nervous because I'm like... <laughs> so I will play the theme song of a wrestler... Buzz in, mm-hmm. guess it correctly, you get three points. I would say be ready on those buzzers. <laughs> Shane? That would be Mr. Big Boss Man. It's one of the best ones. One of the guys <laughs> that nobody cares about. Like, nobody's a huge Big Boss Man fan, but, like, this is one of the best themes. For oh, a yeah. guy that, like, people don't... Like, Demolition theme rules. Demolition also rules. Yes. Like... Boss Man theme rules. Boss Man. Himself. How strongly does anybody feel about Big Boss um, Man? I mean, when I was a kid, I I think Boss Man was one of the few action figures I actually had. It's a good action figure too because he's got like a cane and he. Uh, yeah, nightstick. Sorry, not a cane. We just Singapore cane. I that cane on the brain, but he. Uh, yeah, and he. Yeah, he's big and. He's got a cool uniform. Exactly. Cool cop uniform. It, it was awkward for him to be teamed with Akeem when they first brought him in. But, oh, yeah. you know, hey, they spun out of that and... Did Akeem do the Cabbage Patch before the Cabbage Patch existed? Did Akeem create uh, the Cabbage Patch? Akeem did I Want to Be Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, that was it, yeah. I Akeem, as lame as it was, was pretty fun just because he's he really went all in on being a goof nugget. Yeah, Boss Man, I saw him wrestle a few times. Yeah, I remember his match getting hung in the ring by uh, Andre, or Andre, wow, Taker. Undertaker. There we go. I mean, uh, the Boss Man really stuck around for a long time. Oh, yeah. Like, he was just in, like, every episode of Raw of the Attitude Era. Whether he said anything or just stood there or did a brawl of some sort, like, he was just A-round. So, kind of quietly, like, cleaned up in a like in a way where it's like a lot of these guys like people that are legitimately great like Tito Santana and stuff like <laughs> go nowhere or you know just kind of fade off into nothing but old Ray old Ray old Big Bubba yep Mr. Trailer himself mm-hmm. just stuck around made some money WWE Hall of Famer you know 
Oh, he should be. So, the scores after this, I have to admit, <laughs> I somehow messed up the scoring at some point. Uh oh. Eh, okay. I've gone through. I trust you. Rechecked everything. And so now the scores this is scary are for me. Shane with 68 points. Oh. Uh, me with 42. Temple with 40. Oh, I gave myself some points. That was a pretty good guess, though. So it's a little. I, I guess we missed a question somewhere. Oh yeah. Along the line. At one point, I was like maybe 13 points away instead of 20. You were in the lead after like the first seven yes. episodes. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, and then, and then, I, I and then he went like on a roll of like five episodes in a row. Yeah. The right answer. At one point, I was 21 ahead of you, and that was what I knew was the highest above. But now you're 23 ahead of me. Right? 28. 28. Oh my god. <laughs> well. But well, we got some uh, fun ones coming up. So. I'm sure we do. I mean, I always like the Matt ones, but I was like, because ah, you caught, you got it right as the like the guitar like slide yeah. like and and then once the fucking kick drum hit, I was like, damn it. <laughs> Next week, WCW Saturday Night. Ooh. Is this our first WCW non pay per view show? Yes, it is. Crazy, right. crazy. It's not even a main event. Just WCW Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And this episode is from May 14th, 1994. And if that date sounds familiar, it's because it was the same exact night as this ECW show. So, spoiler alert, uh, no Bobby or Arn on the WCW show. Hey. Possibly, but they filmed those Saturday nights way in advance. So. Yeah, yeah, true. It aired the same night. Didn't happen. Exactly. I wonder if they recorded them like six months ahead of time or something. I don't know how far. I mean, they probably like were shooting like or shooting like like two or three times a week because they're just chilling in Orlando, and we'll see when we watch the show. It was only taped about a month earlier. A lot of those people that are at the like in the venue are just people probably at the theme park that just they gave them the free ticket and they walk in because like it's it's a lot of kids and a lot of people that aren't wrestling fans that are reacting in weird ways. The show actually wasn't at. Universal. They it wasn't. They hadn't started those tapings yet, oh. so it was actually still at Atlanta. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it looks like a studio show for sure. Heads up, it, Atlanta. Center Stage Theater. Oh, okay, Center Stage. In Atlanta. All right. Well, it's papered is all I'm saying. I can tell. <laughs> so music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss 65. 65, 5, 5, yeah. A White Zombie, as that was... The theme song for ECW at the time. Ah, that's right. And Sabu won the main event. So we played his theme song, Little Crazy by Fight. Ooh. Fight. What a what a band name. I definitely wouldn't want to get into one Fight. of them. <laughs> yeah, probably not. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. You can always email us any comments, concerns, questions. Recipes. Recipes. We're going to Atlanta next week. Hey, so. Georgia. Hey, yeah. Well, hello, Atlanta. Hello, Philadelphia. Hello, hello, Atlanta. How are you doing, Philadelphia? We're back. So, yeah, Georgia, Philly, Japan. Anywhere. Any of those places. You get something that you think is like. It doesn't even have to be from that city. If it's in the same state or area, <laughs> yes. I'll take it because I'm... Philadelphia and, and Georgia both are kicking my ass when it's coming to figuring out stuff. 
But you can always email us those at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoryX. H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Later. <laughs> <laughs>